listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. How good is it to be in church on this beautiful spring day? And it's uh, just so good to have you here. No, I woke up this morning and uh, so excited about what God was going to do today because... No, it's never just about doing a message, but what God wants to do in every heart. And I had this this picture of somebody going to open a jack-in-a-box. You know those old school jack-in-a-box where you'd have the box and you'd open it and you'd just think it was this normal box, but then you'd open it and then this, uh, this clown thing would jump out at you and it was there to give people frights. And I, I really felt God say that, You know, there's some people here today and you kind of expect God to be a little bit like that. You know, you go to maybe open your life to Him and and there's that hesitation, there's that nervousness of what is He really going to reveal? What is He really going to lead me into? Is it going to be good for me? Is it going to be for my benefit? Or is it going to lead to this place where I'm controlled, I'm manipulated? And I really felt God say, He wants people to know that He is safe. He's a safe place. He's not going to lead you somewhere where it's not good for you, that He is such a good God. As we've been singing this morning, it's the theme of this morning, that He is good and He can be trusted and that He is worthy of us taking that risk and opening that box, going deeper with Him, trusting Him. He's worthy. So God, I thank You for today. God, I thank You that Your presence is here. And God, I pray that You'd speak to us right now. God, that it would not be my words, but You would take over right now, Holy Spirit. Spirit. God, I know I can't do this in my own strength and it's only by Your Holy Spirit, by Your power. And God, I just pray that You would pierce hearts today. God, that You would draw us closer to Yourself because God, You won't, don't want us just doing this Christianity thing because it's something we've always known. But God, it's a deep relationship with You. It's a relationship where we're on fire, where we're so living in the wonder of who You are. We pray that You'd awaken something this morning in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thank you, team. You're amazing. So we're starting this series uh, today called Love the Greatest of These. All about the revelation and the power, the wonder of love. As I prayed before, living in that love relationship with our God. And I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was remembering over eight years ago now when the world became a louder, a crazier, a more adventurous place when our son Zion was born. And I'm not going to go into the labour story at all. And everybody said, amen. But on, the, on the, the night that he was conceived, I still remember not, oh, sorry, not. <laughs> I love that Craig picked that up first. Like, he heard that. <laughs> Let's be honest, I cannot remember that night. (laughs) Anyway, let's get back on track. (laughs) The night that he was born, (laughs) I still remember not feeling ready. 
I still remember this sense of so wanting to be a mum, but not being ready to be a mum. I still remember thinking to myself as he was being born, put him back in. I am not ready. I'm not ready for this. And, uh, and, that, and I'm sure most mums can agree. You're so ready, but at the same time, so not ready. And he was born at two o'clock in the morning. And so I didn't get much sleep that night. Then all the next day we had people around and you're just on this buzz of having this new baby and really drugged up as well. And, uh, and then we went into the next night and I, in my naivety, I thought, well, I'll get some sleep tonight. And uh, Craig went home and visiting hours were over. And as soon as he uh, went home, Zion decided to wake up. And he ended up crying that entire night. And uh, he was hungry. He's just wanting to feed all night. They call it cluster feeding. And just cried that entire night. And I remember by that morning, just being ready to give up. I remember Craig and my mum walking to the hospital. And I remember saying to Craig, let's get the phone book, because there were phone books in those days. Let's get the phone book. We're calling an adoption agency. I cannot do this. Like, there is no way. Whoever told, nobody told me that it was going to be like this. Freaking out. Like, I cannot do this. I'm not capable of looking after this incredible miracle. I can't do it. And I remember being paralyzed by this fear. And uh, all that day, Craig uh, took Zion. I had a little bit of sleep and... Then the night came, and again, the same thing happened. He just wanted to feed all night, and, and uh, he wouldn't sleep. But at one point of the night, the midwife tucked him into bed with me, and I could kiss his little face whenever I wanted to, and I felt his every breath that he breathed. And I had this moment where I completely fell in love with this little boy. I had this moment where everything changed, because love took over. Instead of being paralyzed by this fear and the sense of I'm not good enough and not knowing how to parent, love took over. And as soon as love took over, it was amazing how motivated I was. It was amazing how I could do this. This was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay because you're motivated by love. Love took over. And I had this sense today that all of us are in a place where we need love to take over. See, it's amazing when love, love is such a powerful force. It releases us. It causes us to walk in freedom. It causes us to no longer do something for the sake of a duty and because we have to, but because we want to, because it stirs us. This passion is awakened, awoken on the inside of us. Come on, there's something so powerful about love. It's like the Moulin Rouge song that goes, love lifts us up where we belong. Where eagles fly on a mountain high. Like it releases us. It lifts us up. It takes us to greater levels. Love is actually the greatest force alive on the planet today. You know, we think of how many lives are taken out because of hate in the world today. But how many more lives are born because of love? Love is the greatest force alive on the planet today. 60% of all songs that are written are about the subject of love. Most movies that we watch have a love story through it. Even guy movies like Born have a love story through it, probably just to keep us girls occupied. But the love story is through it. Love is such a powerful force. There is nothing on the planet more powerful than love. I remember when I was just... Uh, 15 years old, 
uh, going to a hockey game of my brother's and watching him play hockey. And there was only 18 months uh, between us at the time. So at that time, he was 14. And and he was uh, somebody, he was in that stage where, you know, you wanted to prove your manhood. Like you're 14, you're the man, you're wanting to show how, you know, uh, how great you are, how talented you are. And he was right into this hockey game. And at one point of the hockey game, the ball spun from uh, somebody's uh, hockey stick and whacked him straight in the eyebrow. And uh, it split open his eyebrow and blood just started g- gashing out. I remember watching this and just thinking, ooh. And the next thing, I see my mum running onto the hockey field, running at full speed and not just running, but she starts to yell at the top of her voice voice, Brad, it's okay, mommy's here. And I remember in that moment just dying, like watching from the sideline and just going, what is she thinking? That is so not my mum. And thinking to myself, what got into her? She is the sweetest, most quietest personality. Like she is not outgoing whatsoever. And I was thinking, what took over her? Love took over. She couldn't help herself because love took over. We all need a little bit of love taking us over. That would cause us to step out of our own comfort zones, out of our own personality types, and to be released into greater because love is what's driving us. And see, I love that the Bible says that love is a requirement for our lives. 1 Corinthians 13 says, The way of love, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's Word with power, revealing all His mysteries and make everything plain as day, and I have, if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do that lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Love needs to be behind whatever we do. In everyday language, if we parent just to discipline and bring correction, without love, it means nothing. If we lead people that see some step into freedom, step into purpose, but we don't do it with love, that means nothing. If we do a job to get a paycheck, but we don't do it with any love, again, it's pointless. If we serve in church out of a place of duty without love, it means nothing. If we do spring festival, things like our community initiatives, a great community out pro, uh, program, but we do it without love, it's meaningless. Meaningless. See, all these things that are amazing to do, but if love isn't behind them, it is pointless. See, love needs to be the force that is behind everything we do. It needs to be what drives us. And I love Pastor Paul's message last Sunday when he spoke from Ephesians 3 verse 20 and uh, 
for God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we could possibly ask, think or imagine according to the power that is working through us. And I still remember going along to life one of the first times and Pastor Paul speaking from that verse. And the thing that grabbed me though about last Sunday was he said, there is a power working within each and every one of us. There is a power that is driving you. It's like we have an engine inside each and every one of us and there is a power behind that engine. There is something behind that engine that drives you, that motivates you, that stirs you forward, that causes you to do what you do, that causes you to make the decisions that you make. There's a power working through you. And I've got this battery here as an example because I want us to do a bit of self-evaluation today to look at what is the power that is working behind us. See, it could be the power of our past can be working in and through us. And when our past, sorry, if you could put that up, that'd be fantastic. If our past is the power that's working through our lives, it means the things that have been said to us, experiences that we've had, the mistakes that we've made, the failures, our past can be what powers us moving forward. So we go to step out in faith. We think every time though I've failed, so I'm not gonna try it again. So we step back because our past is what we're operating from. We go to trust someone in a relationship, but our experience has been that people let us down. So we think I better not trust again. Best not to let others in. So the wall goes up. We go to add ideas to a group environment, but we've been shut down before. So we just stay shut down rather than add anything to value because it's the past that is powering us. It's the past that's actually, we think it's powering us, but it's actually holding us back because it's a limited power that's moving through us. See, for some of us, our circumstances can be the power that is moving through us. It's our circumstances, maybe the debt that we're facing that seems so huge that we can't get out of it. It can cripple us. Instead of getting help, moving forward with it, getting budgeting advice, etc., we just end up paralysed by it. Our work environment, maybe, it ends up shaping us, dictating our feelings, our beliefs. We start to talk like everybody else, act like they do, to fit in, to get acceptance. Rather than God's power again moving through us to bring change, to be the point of difference, and our work environment ends up restricting us. It ends up being the circumstance that powers through us. For some of us, it's self-security. It's all about what fits in my little world. It's all about what I can control. It's all about what works for me. It's all about not taking risks, not letting people too close, not doing too much for people because I need to be in control here. And so again, it limits us. It it causes us not to step out in faith like Pastor Paul said last week. It limits our potential because it's all about self that's flowing through us rather than our God, our God's power moving in and through us. And the last thing I thought of today, I mean, there's so many things that this could be, is the power of self-worth. And everything is about proving ourselves, striving, striving to make something of ourselves, striving for perfection, striving to prove that we're good enough, striving to prove that we can add value. We can even do this when we're working for God. We can strive to prove ourselves even to Him. And when it becomes the power that's working through us, it limits us. Because again, it's in our own strength. I mean, this is something that I've really had to battle with. I remember when I was in high school, 
coming home from playing netball games and if I didn't play well enough, I would clean all of mum's cupboards and uh, she loved it. But it would be like a way of punishing myself for not performing well enough, like for trying to prove that I could do better. And it was this sense of I always had to attain, always had to strive. And when that power is working through you, it's so controlling and so limiting and so restricting. But see, when love moves through us, when we're powered like the Bible says we need to be empowered, when His love is moving through us, when we're secure in His love, we can step out in new ways because we know He's with us. We know He's good. We know He's trustworthy. So we can step out into what He's calling us to do because love moves through us. We relate to others in an amazing, authentic, genuine way because we're not trying to prove ourselves. We're just trying to reveal His love. Come on, when love throws through us, it's amazing how it sets us free. It's amazing the past stuff, the circumstances that can try and restrict us. When we operate out of His love, we realise, hey, it's not in my mind. It's not in my power. It's not in my strength. It's through Him and what He can do through me. And it's amazing how it releases us. Come on, what is the power that's moving through your life? Is it His love or have other things taken over? Have other things taken over? See, I think we can measure how much we're operating out of our Father's love by how much these things are operating in our lives. If you look at 1 Corinthians verse 13 and 4, love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Come on, well, what was the last thing that you boasted about? When we so easily boast in the things that we own, the accomplishments that we've done, the friends that we have, but the Bible says to boast in the Lord your God only to boast in our relationship with Him only. Come on, where's your security? Because our security reveals our identity. Our boast will reveal where your security is. Where is our security? It's not self-seeking. It doesn't dishonour others. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Come on, but how, how much are we measuring up to those things? Because if we've purely got the Father's love flowing through us, that should be our default. How much of His love is moving through us? See, the thing is to be operating out of love, you have to be connected to love. The power that is coming out of this battery is because of the source that it's being connected to. Come on, the power that is operating out of our lives, for us to operate in our Father's love, we've got to be connected to His love. He has to be the source that we are connected to. And I love that the Bible says that God is the epitome of love. It says that He is love. 1 John 4 verse 14, we rely on God's love. God is love. The sum description of who God is, is love. Now, what's the first thing that you think of when you think of God? Is it, oh, not too sure. Not too sure what He'd think of me. And a lot of people have the perception when they walk into church that the roof is going to fall over on, on them because of all the bad things they've done. And what's your perception of who God is? Is that I've got to work harder? I've got to earn His love? Because the first thing that we should think of when we think of God is love. is total acceptance. is unconditional, perfect, pure love. But there are so many things that we walk through in our life 
that we face that cloud that perfect love. See, I still remember being a little girl of 11 years old and everything that I'd known about God was because of what my parents had told me, what I'd heard about in church. And I was just hungry for more. And I remember locking myself in my bedroom for three Sunday afternoons and saying to God, God, you've got to show yourself to me because I've got to know that you're real for me. Everything I know about you is just from what other people said. I've got to know you for me. And I remember the first Sunday afternoon, nothing happened at all. I'm thinking, God, it's not looking good here. Second Sunday afternoon again, nothing happened. And I remember the third Sunday afternoon, still remember it to this day, being at the end of my bed on my knees and just sobbing in His presence, knowing this love that I had never known before. And I have parents that love us incredibly, but this love, it was so perfect. It was so secure. It just made me feel so whole, so complete. Everything just seemed okay all of a sudden because of this love that I was experiencing. All of a sudden, like I looked at things differently. It was like I was seeing things with glasses on for the first time. Everything had this clarity. And I knew without a shadow of doubt that I was valued, that I was loved, that I was treasured. And from that moment on, it's always been a passion just chasing after that love, wanting to serve Him because of that love. Come on, He is the epitome of love. Come on, when was the last time we felt that kind of love from Him? Because we've got to be connected to the source to have that power flowing through us. And so what I want to do this morning is just look, making the true love connection. <clears throat> making the true love connection. And the first thing is it's about a response, not an initiation. It's a response to His love. It's not an initiation. I mean, how awkward is that stage? The first stage of a relationship where you kind of, you've been friends and then you feel like something is shifting. You know, it's that awkward thing of who's going to say something first. Because you kind of just sense something's happening here. You kind of knock hands, kind of stand really close to each other. Like it's all kind of happening, but it's like, who's going to man or woman up and actually say something? I remember it was so awkward for us. Like Craig tried to kiss me one night. I'm like, you're not kissing me. We're talking about this. Like <laughs> throwing him under the bus there. <laughs> Again. <laughs> oh, that wasn't up. That wasn't the, that was the first time. Maybe. <laughs> and it was awkward. It's, it's that awkward stage of who's going to say something first. Who's going to make the initiative? Man, there's not that awkward stage with our God. We don't have to wonder how He's going to respond to us. We don't have to wonder, is that love going to be reciprocated? We don't have to wonder at all. His love is there. His love is open. We've got no awkwardness. We love 1 John 4 verse 19 says, because He first loved us. Come on, we love out of a response to Him. We don't have to try and earn it. We just have to have a revelation of His love for us. Come on, He is crazy passionate about you. Like he, the Bible says, He knows every hair that is on our head, our body. That's pretty crazy passionate. He knows every thought that we think. He knows us intimately more than we even know ourselves. Come on, He's crazy about you. 
And I know what crazy passionate looks like because of the parents that I had. I mean, my dad was crazy about us kids, very passionate about us. I remember going home, visiting one day. My sister was 16 years old at the time. I'd moved out of home by then. Coming back and her telling me the story of how dad slept in her room one night because he was snoring. So mum was like, honey, I just need to get some sleep. And, and so uh, dad was sleeping in her room. She went out, slept somewhere else. In the middle of the night, a guy came along knocking on Steph's window saying, Oi, Steph, come to a party with me. So <clears throat> next thing you know, dad's out of bed. He doesn't sleep with clothes on out of bed, running down the street after this young kid naked, yelling at the top of his lungs, if I catch you, you little, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So that was my dad. He is passionate. He was crazy about us kids. You know, we have a God that does the same for us. He will hunt us down. He will chase you. He's the God that sent his son to the cross for you. Come on, he is crazy passionate about you. Come on, when was the last time we had a revelation of how much He loves you, of how much He adores you? Because when we live in that revelation, it's not a chore to follow Him. It's not a have to. It's not, hey, I should get up and go to church today. No, it's a want to because you're so in love with Him. You're responding to His crazy, passionate love for you. Come on, have we had that revelation of how much He loves you? See, He's not the God that plays games with you. He's not the God that manipulates. He is the God, Acts 17. You can put on the screen for you to see. He doesn't play hide and seek with you. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in Him. We can't get away from Him. He's the God that seeks you out. Come on, He's the God that sought out Jonah. When Jonah ran from his will, God sought him out. He sought out Saul when Saul was hiding behind the baggage, feeling like he wasn't good enough, hiding from his destiny. He sought Saul out. He sought out Jacob when he was running for his life because of the deception, trying to find value and worth in something that God was going to give him anyway. But he was running and God found him in that place. He sought out Saul when he was on a mission Before he became Paul, when he was on the wrong mission, God still sought him out. Come on, he's the God that seeks us out. He's the God that finds us. And you know, because of that, we can think, well, why do I feel separated from him? Why do I feel separated from him? And I think sometimes there's stuff in our lives that can cause us to cover ourselves from him. Romans 8 says, there is nothing on heaven and on earth that can separate us from his love. Sometimes we can feel separated from Him, covered from Him because of stuff that is going on in our lives, stuff that we've allowed to control us. It's darkness maybe, it's pride, it's things that have happened to us, it's our own control, whatever it is, maybe hatred, maybe unforgiveness. And it's stuff that we're clinging to that is keeping us covered from Him. But He's just waiting for us to peek out from the cover and let Him in to do what He wants to do through our lives. I remember this happening in a beautiful way through a young, a family friend of ours. And we knew them growing up and there was this beautiful girl that they had, one of the children of the family. And there was five years between us, but I kind of kept in a little bit of contact with her. And I moved up to Auckland and she did five years later to study as well and ended up coming to church. And uh, as I got to know her more, it was funny when she was young, she was always in a place where she was closed. There were always walls up. 
She always kind of tried to uh, get to know God, but there was always a wall up. And as we started meeting, she came to church and as we started meeting, she started to let the cover off and she revealed that she'd been sexually abused by her dad all through high school and that was part of the reason she always had the wall up. And as we talked together, as we worked through it, I just saw this gradual change as she allowed the covers to come down and God's love to reach her in that place. And it was amazing as she did that, her whole persona changed. This joy came in, this freedom came. She's now married with kids. She'd studied, went to university. It was amazing the change that happened because she let that cover come down and God's love reach her. There is nothing that can separate you from His love apart from what we allow to cover us. Come on, what's covering you? What's keeping you separated from His love? Because as soon as you just, hey, hey God, I want you in. I want that vulnerability. I want that intimacy with you. As soon as you do that, the Bible says this, Romans 5 verse 2, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. Come on, we may say, I don't feel God's love. But how much are you opening the door of your life to His love? How much are you really opening up? <clears throat> the second thing is it's less about a feeling and more about a devotion. It's less about a feeling and more about a devotion. For the sake of time, I, I haven't got a lot of time to really go there today. But, you know, a good marriage is made up than more than, of more than just good feelings, Feelings are deceptive. Feelings are misleading. I adore my husband, but some days you feel it, some days you don't. And if you are in that relationship with God based on feelings, it's not going to last. It's got to go more than that. It's got to go to a place of devotion. That's why the Bible says, if you love me, you will obey me. Come on, if we love Him, we are devoted to Him. Actually, our love for Him can be measured by our devotion to Him, by our obedience to Him. So we can say, hey, I love Him. Well, are you obeying Him? Are you really following Him? Are you really pursuing Him? And again, when we have that love connection, there's an ease about it. There's a, hey, I can do this. And it's amazing when... Our God is so good. He says for us to give up our lives and follow Him, but it's always for our betterment. There is nothing that He asks us to do that's not for our betterment. The Bible says that He loves those, He rebukes those, He disciplines those that He loves. And as a, as a good parent myself, I know that because I love my kids, I'm going to discipline them. You know, the other night something happened with Zahn and we're spending time with him, disciplining him, correcting him for that. And he says that we say to him in that moment, buddy, we're doing this because we love you and we will not let you get away with that. And he turns to us and he says, well, it sure doesn't feel like love right now. But you're doing it because you love him. I'm not going to let him get away with stuff and make his own choices because I love him. We have a God that does exactly the same with us. He sets parameters around our lives because we love Him. Come on, He says to wait till marriage to have sex. I'm going to go there again because He loves us. Sex is an incredibly intimate experience. You know, the world sells us this lie today that it's a physical exchange, but the Bible says it's a spiritual connection. 
That's why it's meant for marriage, because there's a deeper intimacy, there's a deeper connection that takes place. God doesn't do it to be the party pooper. He does it so that it sets us up for a win. And sex inside marriage is incredible. There's no feelings of guilt. I wonder what they're going to tell. I wonder if it's going to work out okay. There's none of that. There's a security in it. Come on, everything he outlines for us, tithing, offering, everything like that, it's for our betterment. It's so that we won't be controlled by money. As Pastor Craig said, this, everything is for our better, betterment. It's not about control. That's why it says if you give up your life, you'll end up receiving it. When you follow him, we end up receiving life. And I don't want anybody to feel condemned by any of this this morning. But I do want us to check ourselves and say, hey, am I being honest with where things are at? Because if I'm honestly connected with Him, there's, it's got to come from that place of I follow Him because I know He loves me. I know the, the things that He's set out for me is because He loves me so they're the best for me. And we don't have to feel condemned by any past decisions, how we're currently living, but we do need to be empowered to bring change because He loves us. Because He's got the best for us. Come on, He adores you. Are we choosing Him? Are we pursuing Him? Because that directly is connected by how much we love Him. The third thing is making this love connection is it's about making Him known. See, God knows us inside out. Romans 8 says He knows every detail of our lives. But the question is, how much do we know Him? 1 John 4 verse 8 says, The one who does not love has not become acquainted with God does not and never will know Him, for God is love. He is the originator of love, is an enduring attribute of His nature. See, to know God is to know His love. But how much do we really know Him? Because if we really know Him for ourselves, we'll know His love. Come on, it's so easy to get trapped in knowing Him just from what other people say about Him, from what we experience of Him when we come to church. But how much do you know Him personally? How much do you really know Him for yourself? Because He wants that relationship with you. He's that personal God where we can connect with Him, pursue Him anytime, anywhere. He's that God that wants that kind of relationship with us. To know Him is to love Him. So the question remains, how much do we know Him? How much do we know Him? I'm always so challenged, if the band can come up, please. By Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5, it says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. This is God speaking to His church in Ephesus. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but have not found them false. You've persevered, have endured hardships for my name, have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. When have we forsaken our first love? How challenging is that passage? Doing so much right. But it's so easy to follow Jesus and do so much out of what we've always known about what we should do for Him rather than coming from this love relationship with Him. Come on, it's a challenging question to ask ourselves. If you think about when you first fell in love with Him, when you first met Him, how different is it now? 
Come on, I know it's a challenge for me to awaken that love relationship with Him, to awaken that first love once again. Have we forsaken our first love? Got so in the routine of life, even of following Jesus, like we treat it like it's what we do rather than who we do it for. Have we lost our first love? No, we need to keep the wonder of knowing Him. The wonder of forgiveness. The wonder of eternity. The wonder of being forgiven. Love in Luke 4, 7 verse 47. It's the story of a prostitute coming and pouring oil over the feet of Jesus. And the disciples rebuke her and say to Jesus, how can you allow a woman like that to wash your feet? And Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. The Bible says there's no difference between any of our sins that we've been all forgiven the same amount. But how much do we live in that revelation of how much we've been forgiven? Because when we give in a, a live in a revelation of how much we're forgiven, we love out of that. Come on, when was the last time we had that revelation of how our debts have just been wiped away? We live in freedom. We live in the security of His love. Now Christmas <clears throat> last year, we were given an amazing amount of money from a family friend and we were so blessed by it. And for a few days just before Christmas, we had a lot going on in church. So Zion, our son, came in with us and for a little bit, he got to play on the phone. And then the next Monday, we were hanging at home together and I noticed our credit card had gone into some debt. And so I looked at it and then I uh, looked at all the purchases and they were iTunes purchases. And so I went on our iTunes account and saw that there'd been all these app purchases for a game that Zion plays. And so, you know, we called, uh, we looked at um, the, the balance and it was $1,500 had been brought of these, I know, brought of these, <laughs> of these app purchases. And so Craig and I brought Zion into the room and we said to him, mate, what's going on here? And he was like, well, I heard you and Dad talking about the money that had been given to us. And so I thought well, I could spend it. So I had to leave the room at that time. I allowed Craig to deal with it. And I got on the phone to iTunes and I'm like, look, our son has just brought all these purchases, $1,500 worth. And, uh, and you know, we obviously didn't allow him to do that. We just weren't savvy enough. Well, I wasn't savvy enough with my phone and he got into it. And, and so the guy who was on the phone said to me, he looked at all the purchases and he was like, ma'am, we can write that all off for you. You know, your son's really gone to town here, so I'm gonna have to get my manager to do it. But we can wipe that debt completely clear. You know the feeling <laughs> that that brought? Going in to talk to our son, I handled it very differently when I knew the debt had been wiped. <clears throat> when was the last time we had a revelation of that feeling again? Our debt has been wiped. All of eternity, we're with Him. Come on, that love that is so great. That love that nothing else measures to. 
When was the last time we had that kind of revelation? So I'm just going to get the team to serve for a moment, just sing, It is well with my soul. And I want us just to have a moment with God right now and bring that revelation alive again. Awaken that love afresh, that it is well. Go for it, guys. Jesus. visit lifeau.org.